Welcome to our Through the Bible study here on Bible In-Depth Network with Alex. In our study, we look at the context of Scripture and how it applies to our daily lives. We also believe that there's no limitation to the revelation of the Word God. Let's study together today. Yes, praise be to God. I hope you're safe. I hope the Lord has kept you safe and sound. This is a day that the Lord has met. We shall rejoice and we shall be glad in it. Thank you for joining us for our time of the study of the Word of God. Here we study the Bible. We aim to study from the book of Genesis to Revelation. And by the grace of God, we finished the Old Testament. And right now we are handling the book of Matthew. And I want us to continue today with our study of this book. Um, we've done 17 chapters of this book. And today I want us to continue with chapter 18 of the book of Matthew. And uh, it goes by saying, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Here the question that they are posing. Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? As far as kingdoms are concerned, as far as governments are concerned, as far as institutions are concerned, you have great people. You have people with different ranks. And uh, there are people who are greater than others in organizations, in institutions, in governments. And now the disciples also bring that question into the kingdom of heaven. That knowing how things work in all other institutions, even from where they are and where they live in Israel at that point, there are different ranks of leaders. Yeah? And they would want to know, how about when it comes to the government of heaven? How about when it comes to the kingdom of heaven? Yeah, Because kingdoms have leaders, and kingdoms have hierarchies, and kingdoms have people who get in different positions as far as importance is concerned. So they want to know, okay, when it comes to the kingdom of heaven, who is the greatest? And in the world where we live today, people will assume or gain that satisfaction out of the position they hold, whether they are up or down. And always you'll find that most people, or most of us, want to be ranked on the higher side. Everyone is looking for the bigger position. Everyone is seeking for the greater position so that they are ranked in those who are great. Those who are great receive much more uh opportunities those who are great are given much more privilege those who are great are considered more much more in society they will get the better seat yeah they will get the better facility they will drive the bigger car they will get the bigger uh things that everyone would want to have so greatness in kingdoms greatness in organizations is something that has existed straight away from the past and even up to today, it's still uh, held in high regard. Even in churches, even in religious institutions, there are ranks who is greater, who is in a higher position, and then they will treat you different because you are in a higher position. So when the disciples are coming to talk to Jesus at this point, they come to inquire something that is usual, something that is expected as far as the patterns of the world are concerned. And now they're asking, 
when it comes to the kingdom of heaven, when it comes to that kingdom that you've brought to us, dear Jesus, who is greatest in that kingdom? And what did Jesus do? He called the child to himself and set him before them. Jesus says, okay, let me answer these guys. He calls up a child. I believe there were children around even in his teachings. Uh, children would re- normally like to be around uh, the affairs of spiritual uh, things. And even when it comes to crusades, you realize the crusades that we sometimes carry out, you have mostly children who come around. Yeah, they are around, they are dancing, they are enjoying. And in this case, when Jesus is with his disciples, the children are part of them. Yeah, And he calls up a child, says, come. And he sets his child before them. And he says this. Truly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, Jesus makes a statement that is very interesting in this case. He says, unless you are converted and become like children. He's not telling his disciples that you're going to go back into your mother's womb and then you're born again and you become like a child. No, it's not the literal sense of that. But he's saying, There's got to be a conversion for you to become like a child. And that is the only way you'll enter into the kingdom of heaven. He's talking to men who are probably gray-bearded. He's talking to people who are already old. They've advanced in age. Or they are probably much more youthful and they can't be children anymore. So what he's talking about here is not the conversion to become a child in its literal sense, in this physicality. No. He's talking about the nature of a child. And for everybody who knows about children, there are some things that are characteristic of them. And those are the things that Jesus is looking for. Those are the things that Jesus wants to address. Those are the things he's telling his disciples, you have to become like them. Children, often, and in most cases, are those that trust. They have faith. They are loving. They've got that about them that Jesus is looking for among his disciples and telling them, you've got to carry that. Have faith. You tell a child that um, when you're leaving home and you tell them, I will come back with a sweet for you, they'll believe it. They'll know that if my father or my mother has said, I'll come back with a sweet. They will come back with it. And when you come back in the evening, great, sometimes you come with a sweet. And sometimes you do not come with it. But still, when you do not come with it, they do not get so angry and they hold it against you. You still tell them, don't worry, I'll bring it tomorrow. And they will believe it. That is part of children. That is part and parcel of the nature of children. And that, that, that is what Jesus is demanding from his disciples. Having faith. Believing in the Father. Believing in the authority. That when they say something, they will fulfill it. If they say they will bring a sweet, they will bring it. Even if they have not brought it, be sure they will bring it. Have faith. Do not hold grudges. Children, do not do that. Have that forgiving heart. Children, have that with them. 
And Jesus is telling his disciples, get that conversion and become like a child. Always be free. Always be happy. Do not worry about tomorrow. Children, do not worry about tomorrow. Because they know that everything shall be fine. They know that their father shall provide. Children always expect to have a meal. And they do not even think about where the money comes from because it's not their business. It's the business of their father. Jesus is telling his disciples, this is what you've got to be like. Do not worry about tomorrow because I am the father and I have everything in check. I am in control of everything. Do not worry about tomorrow. And this he preached to them and told them. And now he is bringing it in the aspect of the life of a child that they do not worry about the next day. They are so sure that they will eat. They are so sure that their father will provide. They are so sure that if they have somebody who is leading their life, in this case was their parent, everything is okay. Jesus is telling his disciples, be so sure that you have a father in heaven. And he is in charge of every aspect of your life. For You do not have to worry because all shall be well. And now, if you fail to have confidence, if you fail to have faith, if you fail to forgive, if you fail to believe and know that everything will be all right, that is what eventually causes you to lose the path. And you fail to enter the kingdom of heaven because then you start to struggle on your own. You start to do everything as by your own power. You start to uh, lead a life where you're governing yourself and not looking to God who is your father. And thus, not enter the kingdom of heaven. He tells them, be converted. Not physically, that you're going to have a physical change in your body structure to become like a child. But as far as the characteristics that children carry. And he's placing a child before them and tells them, become like this one. When he called the child, the child did not argue. The child did not start saying, okay, I have to first go and play. Oh, what do you want me for? No, when he calls the child, the child comes. And that is the same thing God demands from us, his children. That when he calls you, you do not argue. You just come. <laughs> you just draw near. And now, the disciples must be having a lot going on in their minds at this time. And then he tells them, Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. As all other kingdoms have other things that require for you to be the greatest, that you must have been the one who won the election, that you must have been the one who is the wisest or who was the best in your classroom or who had the better grades to be the greatest. This kingdom of heaven demands humility for you to be the greatest. If you are seeking to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, all you need is to be humble. Jesus is saying, just like this child is humble, so you should be, and then you'll be greatest. And the beauty about the kingdom of heaven is there can be very many who are great. It doesn't have to be one position to be filled. As long as there's humility in your heart, as long as you have humility as part and part of your life, then be sure to be among the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He brings out a child to represent this humility. He brings out the child and the character of the child of humility and says, this is all that you need to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Those who have pride as the cover of their life, 
are not considered great in the kingdom of heaven. Those who cannot calm themselves down and be humble are not regarded great in the kingdom of heaven. What position do you occupy in that regard? Are you humble? Or you have all the heirs that the world can give. Are you humble? Because that is what is required for you to be greatest in the kingdom of God. And I wonder what went through the minds of these disciples when he's telling them, be humble, then you'll be the greatest. He's not giving them a position. He's not telling them that you be a pastor, then you'll be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. No. He's talking about humility. He's telling them those who are humble are the ones that are greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He's not saying the bishops, that they are the greatest. He's not saying the, the prophets, that they are the greatest. No. He's not saying that it is those who, who are the pastors that are greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He's not saying those. No. He's saying those who are humble. Humility is something that we've got to long for. Humility is something that we have to work for. Do all that you can, all in your power, to be a humble person. To speak well. To respect others. Those are the small things, however small they might appear. Those are the things that Jesus is talking about here and considering and saying, now those are the ones that I will consider great in my kingdom. Being humble. And if you do not understand what humility is or what being humble is, you can always go and find the meaning. Yeah, Showing that you have that value with you and you have that importance with you. You are not arrogant. Arrogance is, is the, the opposite of humility. You're not arrogant. Yeah? And that is what Jesus is telling them. He's telling them, I want you to be humble. Then after that, we can have the discussion of who is greatest in the kingdom of God because it is those with this humility that Jesus considers uh, the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, he goes on and tells them, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Now, it's, uh, we might take it into the context of he's talking about children only, that are receiving children. Yes, that's true. Children, as far as age is concerned. That who receives this one such child in my name receives me. But also we need to remember that we are children of God. We need to remember that. That before God, we are his children. So even this will apply to the disciples themselves, that whoever receives you in my name receives me. Whoever receives you, the minister of the gospel, in my name receives me. Whoever receives you, the child of God, receives me. And this is important because Sometimes there are people that come into your life and God has sent them and they are his children. And God is demanding that you show concern for those people because they are his children. And he wants you to receive them. And it's important for me to know 
that I have to identify those particular moments where people are coming into my life and these are God sent because he wants me to give attention to them. Sometimes they might be needy and they need help. Yeah, and it's okay. It is very fine. If God has sent them and I have to give them attention and I've got to help them and I've got to feed them, let me do that. Because God has decided that this is somebody I sent to you and I've got to receive that person and give them what is due, what God would like me to do for them. So he tells them that whoever receives this such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a millstone hang around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Whoever causes these little ones, these little ones, it's still not just about the child in age, but also people of God because they're his children. Whoever causes them to stumble, other versions will say, whoever causes them to sin, it would be better for you to have a heavy millstone hung around the neck and drowned into the depths of the sea. There's a warning here about causing people to sin, about causing people to stumble. There are some things that are done by people and they cause others to sin. They cause others to stumble. Yeah? You are the source of sin. You are the one who's building the bars. You're the one who's opening up the, the all those businesses that cause people to stumble. You're the one who's manufacturing all the drugs and the the booze that is causing people to sin. Those are the things that he's talking about here. You are responsible. You are one of the people that causes people to stumble. And even sometimes it comes to believers themselves. In church, the people who cause others to stumble. How? In the way you dress. The dress code. In the way you act. In the way you live. Yeah? You come out and preach. Then you eventually go out and live a life that is reckless. And people look at it and say, okay, I think it is okay for you to serve God and also live a life that does not honor him. It is okay to serve God, then at night you're in the bars drinking. It's okay for you to preach, then you're out there having extra affairs that are not right, causing people to stumble. Jesus says it is better for you to have a heavy millstone hang around your neck and be drowned into the depth of the sea. War to the world because of its stumbling blocks stumbling blocks, I have to know as an individual, am I a stumbling block or not? Because if I become a stumbling block, war to me. For it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come. But war to that man through whom the stumbling block comes. There will be stumbling blocks. They will exist. Jesus is telling them here. But to you, who takes the mandate to be that stumbling block or to be the one that is leading that war to you? Jesus says, it is tough and it's going to be tough for those who are responsible for the falling, who are responsible for growing sin in the world. 
If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than to have two hands or two feet and be cast into eternal fire. This has to be properly understood. He spoke it in literal sense that if it is your hand or your foot that is causing you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away from you because you will not have anything that is left to cause you to sin. Now, there are some things that you have to put into the context of this scripture that we've just read. Sometimes this hand that he's talking about is your friend. If there is a friend or friends that are causing you to stumble, he says, cut them off from you. It's better for you to enter life without friends. To live a life without these many friends than to have them and be cast into eternal fire. I want to put it in the normal way that we might understand what Jesus is talking about here. If it is your uh, partner, for example, you're dating somebody, and it's that person causing you to stumble, it is important that you cut them off. For it is better for you to live that life without that person than to have that person in your life, and then you be cast into eternal fire. If it is a job, and there's a specific job you're doing, and it's that, and that job is not aligning with your spiritual uh, ways or beliefs, it is better for you to cut off yourself from that job, and you live without that job. Because it's better for you to live this life without that job and avoid having the job and end up in eternal fire. It is important. There are some things that you've got to cut off. Sometimes it's those beliefs that you have and you've got to cut them off because those belief systems will cause you to end up in eternal fire. And you say, no, these are the cultural beliefs that we have. This is how it is done in our culture. And we have to do it. If we do not do it, there will be a problem. If we do not go out and carry out these cultural practices, then they they say the, the gods won't be happy. If it is those cultural beliefs, cut them off. Because it's better for you to live without them than to have them. And then you end up in eternal fire. What is that thing you've got to cut off? Some, some of them are habits. Cut them off. Cut off the lying habit. Cut off the pornography habit. Cut off the adultery habit. Cut off the masturbation habit. Cut them off because if you do not cut them off and you walk with them in this life, they are going to cause you to get into this eternal fire. Jesus is saying, everything that causes you to stumble, cut it off. Everything that is causing you to sin, Cut it off. If it is that bottle of alcohol that is causing you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to live a life without it than to get into eternal fire. And he says, if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out and throw it from you. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be cast into the fury. Hell. And 
There are things that we've got to cut off. There's a life that we've got to live. There's a demand upon our lives of the things. And it's you who knows. You who's listening to me today. There's something that you know in your life that this has to be left behind for you to have eternal life. There's a habit that has to be left behind. Yeah. There's a character that you have to leave behind and pick on a new one. There is a friend, their friends, their societies, their communities, their jobs, their experiences, their habits, their addictions that you've got to leave behind if you are going to inherit eternal life. And unless you leave them behind, then whatever you do is for nothing. Jesus says, leave them behind to avoid hell. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that there are angels in heaven continually see the face of my Father who is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Jesus is saying that these little ones you see, his children, you and I, he says that they are angels. He makes it specific that there is an angel. And that's a discussion we shall hold one day about people and angels people and their angels yeah and uh, from the context we read here it says their angels in heaven continually see the face of God it's like everyone has that one who is in charge of them and they always before the face of God on their behalf and he says and speaks to the people here to the disciples and tells them that these people should be considered well because they have caretakers yeah treat them well make sure that you do not despise them do not despise anybody because everybody that you see has great importance in the kingdom of god father we thank you for the word today and we pray that you guide us and keep us and hold us together help us for those that have to break barriers to break habits to cut off something that does not lead us into life off of our lives help us lord that we may do this in honor of your name Jesus, my name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our study today. We believe that the world of God is alive and new each day. Open your heart and let God speak to you. You can also access our teachings through our Podbean channel or reach us through our website, BibleInDepth.com. 